episode number 67 of Media Camp. I'm back here, you're with Sergey Ross, and this is another episode. I think we are progressing really quickly with uh, the new show, or relatively new show, and I actually made a commitment to do more episodes that are shorter, but even high quality. So you're gonna see some interesting conversations and really, really cool guests coming, and today, is no exception because we are talking to Tamsin Henderson, who is a B2B copywriter, a marketer, and she has a series of copywriting courses on Udemy that are either number one or one of the very, very best. And you could see, you could go check them out. I'll link it in the show notes um, that are, they're really, really cool. And especially if you're trying to learn copywriting and it's not easy to do that, then she really breaks it down to a simple level. Um, and uh, so that's a really good resource for you to check out. We, of course, we're gonna talk about copywriting. We're gonna talk about some of the things that maybe are not common, but important in copywriting and some of the other advice that Tamsin has for people who are starting out and who want to improve their copy. Um, here we go. All right, all right. Uh, this is another episode of Media Camp. I'm here with Tamsin Henderson, the B2B copywriter and creator, one of the best copywriting courses on Udemy. Great to have you here, Tamsin. Thanks for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. All right, so tell us about this. You write amazing copy, by the way. Oh. Uh, tell it. Tell us about this story, how you wrote that headline. I believe it was a press release that ended up bringing a million dollar deal to your client. I thought that was I really interesting. Yeah, well, that was how I kind of got into copywriting because my background's in PR and um, you kind of only as good as your last job when you're an independent, when you're freelance. And um, I worked for a couple of weeks on this campaign and it was for this piano, for a piano maker. Um, and I, I'd written what I thought was a good headline. It was something along the lines of world's most luxurious piano. Mm -hmm. um, it was it's something along those lines. And the press release completely bombed. Like not one journalist was interested. And I kind of went into panic mode as you do. I was thinking, oh my goodness, you know, my clients, they've paid me all this money. I need to get them some coverage. What am I going to do? And so I just started to sort of, do you know google and look around see what i could find and i came across a headline formula called the four u's which is essentially as long as your head your headline ticks one of the four u's um then you're probably in good shape so it's either that it has to be unique urgent ultra specific or useful so i applied that and i made the headline much more specific so it was something like qatari chic buys um $500,000 piano in, studded with half a million Swarovski crystals. God, that's yeah. a mouthful, but it was something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I literally didn't change anything else in the press release. And I, I resent it out and the phone started ringing and, you know, it reached a, a readership of millions, you know, very, very quickly. And obviously my client was thrilled and um, it resulted in their first million dollar order for a piano. So um, that was a really nice side benefit. But what that did for me was showed me the power of copywriting because, you know, I'd worked in PR for years and we'd never actually been taught um, how to persuade with words. We'd never been taught kind of the direct response um, psychology based tactics that mm -hmm. we use in copywriting now. So I was like, wow, you know, if this, if this tiny headline tweak can change the, the outcome, of something like that, then there's something in this. And I just became obsessed with copywriting. 
because you know it's all about words and science and human behavior and why people do the things they do and i was just i was hooked that's amazing yeah. That's that's a that's a pretty cool story. I've heard the uh, the four U's. I think uh, I think it was Dave Gerhardt from uh, Drift, former Drift. Now he's at uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Freebie uh, from the, from the U.S. He also talked about this um, this formula. I, I found it to be sometimes difficult to apply, but I guess it all depends how good you are. Um, that that <laughs> that that is interesting. And you were still were you freelancing at that time, or you were still full time? I was. I had sort of gone independent um, as a PR consultant um yeah so i was i was freelancing yeah how did you make a switch or was it was it that moment when you switched from pr to, to copywriting yeah i mean it was pretty much that instant um i think it was around the time when a lot of you know content marketing was really having a moment and a lot of the kind of marketing disciplines like pr and seo they were really sort of converging and um, so some of my PR clients wanted me to write content and, you know, copy for them. And so it was almost like a natural evolution. Right. But it was that kind of moment that really stuck in my head and just thought, right, that's it. No more PR. And I just want to do this forever now. And how, how, how um, many years ago was that? Um, it's coming up to about seven and a half years. Right. Well, yeah, that that was actually that sounds like uh, very much the the time when HubSpot was building their playbook and all the con inbound marketing was coming into the into full force. Yeah. What do you think about like when we talk about copywriting, everybody's got advice on it. Um, what are some of the things that you think you would disagree with that you think are maybe bullshit, maybe are incorrect, something that people should consider? I know some people would say, oh, like you should write like you talk. Uh, maybe you shouldn't really consider grammar rules, especially when you're starting out. Um, what are some of the things that you've noticed uh, or you would add potentially to it? Well, I mean, I, to I totally agree with those, but I think that they're so well known now that it's they're kind of universally accepted that they are, you know, you don't abide by grammar, you know, to the letter and you, you write like you talk. But having taught, um, taught copywriting now to students and a lot of them kind of feel like, am I cracked up for that? You know, can, can, is this something I can really do? Or do I have to have like this innate ability in me to be a writer and to get results for my clients? I think what I found is that you can still get results. You can still apply copywriting principles and get results from your copy. So you could be working with a client whose messaging is all over the place. It's really jargon filled, really complex, or where they, they just have no idea about formatting, you know, like, so nobody reads their copy and just having sort of simple principles in your head and being able to help people with those will get you results. And even if you're not, you know, I have a lot of students who aren't, um, English isn't their first language. And, you know, I say to them, you know, just if, as long as you use these and you use psychological persuasion principles as well, you will see results. Okay, you may not be um, the world's most amazing copywriter, but you're still gonna get results. And I think that's something that I'm trying to um, encourage more copywriters to, to realize that, um, yeah, Mm. And I mean, uh, from the from the psychological perspective, I know you're a big fan of Sheldini, as we all are. Uh, are there any other people you would say, well, this is the folks you should follow to study the psychology principles to apply in copywriting? Anybody else you would you would add? 
I think um, a lot of the psychological information and persuasion principles that we learn as copywriters really come from Cialdini. So um, he's like the, 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 the founding person when it comes to that, all that sort of thing. But what I do try to do is learn from other copywriters in terms of style and tone, like for instance, Doug Kessler's. I'm a big fan of his. I know you've had him on the show and I always- Shout out Doug. He's great. <laughs> Yeah, I always really admired um, how conversational he was and how um, he just, you could just sense his personality through his copy and how unafraid he is to express that and how effective it is at grabbing attention. And I think a lot of people, they underestimate how important grabbing attention is. Because if you can't get people to read your copy just from the get-go, then it doesn't matter how good it is or how long you've spent or how clear it is. Um, they're not going to read it. So I think, you know, things like formatting and um, just using principles to, mm -hmm. to grab people's attention are, are, are just as important. What I noticed with myself, and uh, I'd be curious to, to hear your thoughts, is um, back in the day, I used to post on LinkedIn and Facebook, and I would change the copy. On LinkedIn, I would write more posts that would be more in line with like business people and folks who uh, I have in my connections. And it would be pretty, um, it would, wouldn't really show a lot of my character, my, my thoughts, uh, my, the way that I, my style. And then on Facebook, I would put up a post and it would be, you know, very to the point, like very much like I would say to my friends and those posts perform <laughs> a lot better. And what I also found is when, if let's say you're in the company, you work in the company and um, you, when you have to write it and you, you have to, you think about all those requirements and all those, uh, all those brand guidelines and the output ends up being for me, at least sometimes very, uh, pretty mediocre versus you write for yourself, for your own brand. It's easy. It's a lot easier. You're like, say whatever you want. And it comes across like that. How do you think you could bridge the gap between the two? You're writing for a client. How do you think to, you know, just make sure the copy is still grabbing the headlines, uh, yet it still uh, meets certain, certain requirements. Yeah, I think what I would do, what I tend to do is sort of map out what I want to say. So, so mock up the headline and then I would just brain dump what I want to say exactly as I want to say it and as I would say it in conversation. And that would provide like the, the skeleton. And then I would go through and then edit it down to kind of fit whatever structure or um, rules, you know, you know, guidelines that you've been set. Um, and, and that way, hopefully, at least it sounds kind of, it sounds like somebody speaking, it sounds like a, it sounds natural. And then you can sort of shape it to fit. But starting when, with all these different things in your head and trying to write something at, from the beginning is going to always end up really stilted, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, that was my experience. But let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about case studies. Uh, you, uh, that's a big part of uh, your work as, uh, as, as a freelancer. What do you think people miss? Um, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, case studies in B2B. Most of them actually are pretty boring. They are they're pretty terrible. Uh, like, what, what do people miss uh, from the case study perspective uh, that makes them enticing to read and doesn't sound like they've been, they've been written by a marketer. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one way to get around that is to use a lot more voice of customer quotes um, in your copy. 
So, you know, when you're asking questions, you know, try to use some of the, try to embed some of their answers verbatim within to the case study, but also try and ask questions around um, what it meant for the people involved. So you're not just talking about um, a problem and how it was solved, but what it meant for the, the people, you know, the, the manager or the customer and how it made them feel. Because obviously we're writing for other people like them and those people have goals and aspirations, you know, whether they're job career related, um, performance related, and you want to show them kind of the emotive side, the emotive benefits um, around that. And you can do that through, you know, storytelling techniques mm -hmm. and, you know, using their quotes, as I said, um, and just and it, it, sensory words and that sort of thing. Right, right. That, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned one of the small frameworks for copywriting for use, which is great. Are there any other ones that you'd recommend for people to consider um, or when they're writing their own copy, uh, something on the high level that maybe should they should be aware of or questions they should ask themselves? Well, they're the good old fashioned um, formulas like PAS and ADA, which are um, the kind of universal favorites, there are many, many more kind of variations of those, but you know, they're just, they're, they're really just variations of those. And I, I personally think they just complicate things, but when you're starting out and you want to engage people and you are, you, you don't want to have to worry about too many things, PAS and ADA are really simple. So PAS is problem, agitate, solution, and ADA is attention, interest, desire, action. And PAS is really good because it, it kind of plays to um, the problems that people are having. So you're highlighting the challenges that they're feeling in that moment. And when you help people prioritize or think about something that they're worried about in that moment, they're much more likely to prioritize it and therefore be open to what you're um, trying to persuade them with your copy, whether that's to change their thinking or their ideas, their behaviors, or, you know, get them to buy. Do you know what I mean? So yes, um, it's really strong um strong framework and it's great you know if you ever struggle with you know blank page syndrome or you get stuck and you don't know what to write it's a good way to kind of prompt yourself to get started yeah i mean it kind of goes to show that the basics always works like before you go to any advanced steps if you just do the basics well then it's like 90 percent, right absolutely and i don't think you need to complicate things you know i think there's way too much information out there and it's really easy to get um, sucked into this well, this vortex of information that just makes you even more confused than when you started. Speaking of vortexes, uh, I read your brilliant article about freelancing and you said something that I actually agree with as well. You said all the productivity hacks, just forget about them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think, I mean, I love productivity tips and tools and stuff like that, but personally for me, I, I I just find them another thing to have to think about. And, you know, I would love to be one of these people who has, who uses Notion and all these cool, sophisticated time tracking systems. But I just, I wish I was that organized, but it's just another thing to learn. Um, and I think sometimes people get stuck in analysis paralysis. <laughs> um, they should just get on with it. Um, <laughs> well, not everyone, yeah. but, you know, for me, I'm speaking personally for me, you know, I just maybe use it as a procrastination strategy. Mm. Just ship it. Just ship yeah. it principle, right? 
<laughs> what what do you uh what do you some of the things i mean you've been freelancing for a while what are some of the principles what are some of the things that you would um you would recommend people to stop doing uh what they're doing if they are trying to get into freelancing well i see a lot of my students that am as i said stuck in analysis paralysis they have all these reasons why they can't start tomorrow or they can't um start looking for clients like they haven't got a website or they don't have examples or they haven't got enough experience mm -hmm. and i try to tell them that you get experience by doing and you just have to you just have to find a way to be able to start whether it's a side hustle or whatever you just need to step on the mat you know you have to that's how you learn so I, yeah get the order or get the client first and then do the tutorial not the other way around totally that's exactly how i built my career i'm not ashamed to admit it right right that makes <laughs> that makes sense uh, i wanted to, so was something i was curious about your opinion on seo versus good content there are writers that pure, do pure seo um there are folks who do a blend of it um i'm curious to know what you think about the two i mean you don't focus on seo but just from your perspective how much does that matter and um what do yeah just your thoughts around it mm -hmm. well i i don't do seo copywriting i obviously have done it in the past and i've done it for my own business and i mean i don't i'm not an expert by any means but i know that you know these days it's all about being helpful it's all about answering people's questions and if you follow that then and your copy is always helpful then google notices google is more likely to rank content that gets shared and liked and you know appreciated um i i think you still need to you you still use keywords and contextual keywords but um i think you can strike a balance between great content and seo optimized content from what i from what i can see but again i'm not an expert right yeah, but it's also the context, I think, right? If you're um, a Shopify store selling chairs, you definitely need SEO <laughs> yeah. versus when you're a B2B company, well, and you're selling a $100,000 SaaS product, well, maybe it's not that important. Yes, exactly. It, I think that that's also a big factor, especially if, yeah, if you watch, like, well, like, if, like I would Google an SEO course on YouTube and a lot of those SEO courses are aimed for like B2C stuff that you absolutely need because otherwise you wouldn't be, you wouldn't even be on the map. Like, um, it would be really difficult. Exactly. I mean, having worked with quite a few B2B companies over the years, I don't think, I think maybe I've only been asked to write SEO optimized content twice. Um, generally the, the kind of things people ask me to do is more like persuasive, you know, making an argument in a white paper or, um, presenting a success story, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I admire people who know, know about SEO cause it's such a massive topic. Very technical and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, boring for me, but <laughs> I know some people love it. Yeah. What is the what is the one thing or maybe a couple of things that people should start doing with their copywriting that maybe they're not doing right now? I think it goes back to attention spans again and writing copy that's fun to read because, you know, the battle for attention is just getting trickier and trickier. And 
you've got to write copy that people want to read and, and there's just so much boring stuff out there. Um, don't be afraid to show your personality to, um, I know, write like you speak, as we always say, and stop worrying about not appearing professional because I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's outdated now. You know, nobody, well, I know people, a lot of people still do write in a very sort of formal, archaic, um, suited and booted style. But that's a voice. That's, pardon? Passive voice. voice. Yeah, yeah. But the, all of that stuff is just, it, it's, it's, it's a waste of your time and money and energy and resources. So, you know, write, write for humans. You know, it's as simple as that. Yeah, that makes that right. Right now, it's a good point. That's a good point. Something a really good takeaway. Tamsin, where's everybody can uh, find you online? You can find me online at tamsinhenderson.com, which is my B two B freelance website, and you can find my copywriting courses at copykooks.com. Very cool. I'll link both in the show notes. So if you guys want to improve your copywriting, Tamsin is amazing resource uh, like you could just go check out your reviews on udemy they speak for themselves um and right thank you for coming that was a great conversation thanks so much for having me it's been really fun thanks guys for listening episode number 68 tamson henderson go connect with her on linkedin if you'd like and check out her courses on udemy you can do the same with me i have a link in the left or my linkedin profile or you can connect with me on my website if you'd like sergeyross.live thanks for listening if you have any questions comments definitely by all means reach out i'm uh looking for feedback as always and i will see you in then episode number 69 have a good one guys cheers oh, 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 oh.